Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. My name is Jim. I am joined by all the guys today. We've got Brad, Greg, and Jeff. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Listeners, welcome to the show. We are excited you are here. You are learning from some greats in the business and one guy that's okay. That's me. And uh, we're we're talking about some amazing things today. We're talking about, you know, people hit plateaus. They hit brick walls. They get slowed down kind of because they... They haven't figured out some of the basics, some of the the blocking and tackling, if you will, of the business. And, and there's a lot of reasons for it. It's because they weren't really trained on how to run a business. They were trained probably on how to prospect. And what we're going to be talking today is how you can scale, how you can become more efficient, how you can really get ahead of some of these problems you're going to face in the future. And no matter if you're, you know, you're at 20 million in assets or 50, 70, 100 million, these are some problems that advisors face every day day. So we're going to go through three or four big opportunities and big problems that people face. But before we jump into this, I want to invite you to visit our Facebook page, uh, connect with us at the Financial Advisors Edge community on Facebook. Remember, take a look at the show notes and you'll see the link to join there. But without further ado, let's just jump right in. Jeff, you and I were talking uh, pre-game and before this without a beer in our hand, unfortunately, but talking about these, these topics and I know you're really passionate about running a very efficient practice. So what I want to—I just want to go to you first. What are some things that you're doing or you do? What's one big win or takeaway that you have that people can, if they do this, they're going to become instantly more efficient? Yeah. So I think if people are listening to this shortly after it first hits, or depending on the one, then when that is, it could very well be right around when tax documents are about to come out. So um, as I've said in other episodes, as I tell my children, I can predict the future. And a lot of the moves that we make throughout the year are going to end up on a tax document at tax time. And so one of the things I'm really proactive on as I meet with clients throughout the year is looking at their income tax return, looking at whether or not they had tax due. And if they had tax due, can we be adjusting the withholding from their IRA distributions so they just flat out don't have tax due? Um, That's something that's easily done during the year so that come tax time, you're not taking reactive calls from clients that have tax due and are trying to figure out how to pay that tax due or why they have tax due. Oh, man, Um, that makes them mad too, doesn't it? it, And that's it. You can just flip the script. And if you want to net them a refund, you easily can. Uh, if that is in line with what they would want. So it's so easy to make a little adjustment during the year to change the narrative at tax time. Um, The other thing is looking at, okay, if you've made a move that you know is going to generate a tax consequence and it's June 1st, I will draft the, the email message on June 1st that says, dear client, Uh, You may recall in June, we made a conversion from your IRA to your Roth IRA with the goal of maximizing XYZ bracket. Uh, Therefore, we expect there to be tax due. 
Don't be surprised when your tax preparer asks you about that. I draft the email and I park it on February 1st on my activity management system. And then I just send it on February 1st. So it's timely to the client. So I don't have to recreate it in February because I did it the day we made the move. And then I can dump it to the client. I tell them flat out, forward this to your tax preparer, print it and put it with, with your tax documents. And then we eliminate the, the inevitable question from the tax preparer, who's always running a day late and a dollar short on April 14th at three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, why did you do this? And what's this all about? So the whole goal is there's a lot we can predict when we're making moves uh, or making minor adjustments during the year. Everything I can do to get ahead of that uh, at tax time eliminates the need to do so much tax service work in February, March, and April, especially. Yeah, I love that. You're setting the, those expectations so people are very well aware of what's going to happen. And that ultimately, it's not your fault. Like, there's a reason why they have taxes due because it, it, I'm going to, I want to ask, I want to go to Brad and Greg on this one because I, I really think this is interesting. When, when, when a CPA, and we all know this, like, we have a, we, we have a love hate relationship on this show with CPA. So, um, that, that's not to offend any CPA who might listen and want to leave us a bad review. Um, the reality is if, you know, you, you have a tax, you have a tax bill from the CPA. They almost always blame the darn advisor every damn time they're blaming the advisor. I can't believe your advisor sold that and cost you taxes, which is really like some of the dumbest comments on the planet. Brad, Greg, what are you, you guys hearing any of this from your clients ever? Yeah. One thing as far as the tax withholding uh, that I see constantly, constantly, uh, is, and what I do is is I just book a conference call with the client and the CPA. If they're going to trash me, they're going to trash me over the phone in front of the client. Uh, but I'll, I'll just ask something like this. Uh, let's review their social security income. How much federal tax taxes was withheld from their social security checks throughout the year? And you, you darn well know it's going to be zero. The clients don't withhold taxes from their social security income. Same thing with pensions. Mr. CPA, Mrs. CPA, how much was withheld as far as taxes from their pension income throughout the year? And what I'm trying to get at is there was all this, this taxable income, this pension, the social security income that they didn't withhold jack shit and, you know, now you're just pointing to me, all oh, my Roth conversions, we didn't withhold enough or the IRA distributions, we didn't. No, it's all this other income that yeah. it would. So a lot of times, as far as the tax withholding, we can do it on our end from the IRA withdrawals, the Roth conversions, that kind of thing. But what it comes down to is maybe they need to be withholding on their social security income and their pension income. And kind of having a, a come to Jesus meeting with the, the CPA a lot of times is a good idea. Yeah, and Jeff, and you got a comment, right? The tax, the tax preparers are so stupid. They don't think to ask if this was a one-time event or not. So they run out the flipping estimated tax coupons and they hand them to the client. And then the client starts screwing around with estimated payments and all this without ever thinking about why, why are we doing this? And is this a one-time thing or not? So if you can get ahead of that, you can, you can be a client's hero and, Tell the you know, you can can walk them through why their tax preparer is so reactive rather than proactive. Uh, Jeff, yep. I don't know why I run into the same thing where it's like rather than they could be working still and the accountant's solution to a two thousand dollar tax liabilities next year is the coupon book. Like, why not just adjust their withholdings at work? It's so much easier. Yeah. 
but the the other the other uh, tax time thing I love, it, I guess accountants seem to define their value as how uh, how big of a refund they get the client every year, and they can't see any further past that. And I think a lot of times clients get stuck in that trap too. They don't really care how the advice was or the or what the planning was or what the long term goal is. They'll just see that I get a refund and was it big and off they go. They're happy if it is and they're not if it's not. You you don't so with it. I remind the clients you don't get your money back with the refund and interest. You just gave Uncle Sam the money for the year that you didn't. I mean, it's just so. And and I have a lot of clients that will say, "Well, we use that money, that tax refund, for vacation every year." It's like, <laughs> get out of here, man! You have my clients, Greg. How are you yeah. stealing my clients? <laughs> uh, get out of here! You gave Uncle Sam an extra four grand, and you just <laughs> let him sit on it. Are you out of your mind? But anyway, it's ah, uh, boy. And, wait, and wait, I'll wait, ask. Just, go ahead, no, guys. No, no, no. No, go ahead, Greg. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll try to get the the CPA. I mean, as as politely as you can with them on the phone, saying, "Hey, you know, are are they going to get another? Is there any, is there anything we can do to change this four grand that they're getting back? Because it seems to me like they're really just giving Uncle Sam a tip, and you know, they they could they could use this four grand throughout the year for other things. Yeah, it'll be nice. This is the first time in my career where you can. Do that explanation of uh, giving the government a ta- uh, interest-free loan. Uh, this will be like the first year where actually having the money in your bank account might actually generate some interest. It, it mattered. Yeah, yeah. Because normally you give that explanation and then they laugh and are like, "Yeah, not like I'm going to get anything for it anyway." Right. Yeah. So that was great. I think that I think I think Jeff's ideas there are are fantastic. Uh, you know, just to recap where he went through and how you can imp- implement this in your practice. Uh, get out in front of this, get out in front of the tax dates, explain to your clients. If you're going to call, if you did something throughout the year that, whether that was a sell or even a tax loss harvesting, get out in front of that and remind your clients, remind your clients you did this and why you did it. So when they go to the CPA without you, you're not getting thrown under the bus. (laughs) That there's, there's a reason why that they can explain and be the expert. Greg, what are some things that um, you think about in your practices? We're kind of looking out over the bow of 2023, you know, a lot of folks out there are, are, are kind of plateaued. They don't think they can take more work. How can they, how can they build more efficient practices? Yeah. When I think about the person out there, uh, let's just say this, this advisor stuck at 50 million and wants to get to a hundred million. Right. And they say, gosh, I just, I just, we don't have time. We don't have the efficiencies in this practice. We don't have the capacity to add any more clients, but our goal is another 50 million of AUM. Well, how are you going to get there? Well, there's so many different advisors that just maybe, you know, it gets, it gets back, it gets back to time. Time is your wealth. And so one of the best things you can do to run an efficient, efficient practice is to time block. So you've got a time block on your calendar. And the way I do it is I have certain times throughout the week where I will have client current client review meetings. I have other times during the week where that is withheld for prospecting. I block it out. I time block. Because if you don't, well, I'm not going to prospect. And then other times in the week where I have new client or new prospective client meetings, those are allocated or earmarked for those people to bring in new business to meet with those people who are interested in hiring us. So the prospecting gets me conversations with the new prospective clients and the re- the review meetings, my team knows that, hey, those times throughout the week are earmarked for 
client review meetings. And, and you know what, when you do that, they're always filled. And, and you just, in my experience, by doing this time blocking, you're much, much more efficient with your time. And it kind of gets into a routine. You kind of know what to expect and what, what's, what's coming up next. So um, I, I think so many advisors can, can utilize that advice. And, you know, we use Wealthbox. I know a couple of you guys use Wealthbox. Um, it, it's absolutely fantastic how you can color code the different times on your calendar. It works extremely well. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is when, when you're time blocking, you, you're forcing yourself not to be at work, but actually do the work. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think we're, I, I don't know, guys, I'm really guilty about that. I can come into work and if I don't do stuff like that, if I don't have a time block, I can be there for like three hours and then look down and say, what the hell did I do? Like, did I legitimately get anything done? And the answer is usually no, I'm texting or screwing around or, or watch, look, look, reading Reddit or something like that. Do you guys, do you guys run into that or uh, Brad, great, Jeff, how about you? Yeah. Do you guys time block um, admin days also? Or buffer days. I do. Like you mentioned prospect meetings and review meetings. Do you, do you time block yourself buffer days? I do. I do. You know, um, a certain amount of time on Mondays and Fridays. Um, but but I, I do meet with prospects on some Fridays. Mondays are kind of you know answering all the emails and and that, that's kind of more of a buffer day, um, just to kind of getting caught up for the the week ahead, so to speak. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let, let's all admit if somebody wants to meet with us and they have $3 million, uh, we're, we're probably going to sell out that buffer day pretty fast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Jim. I wouldn't be so sure about that. I'm not, I'm not at work not to make money. You know, that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, explain, explain that just so folks understand what a buffer day is. Uh, Greg, go ahead and, or Brad, walk us through what a buffer day is. It, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of get uh, get caught up day. And so if things are going to pop up during the week that, you know, it's kind of like all hands on deck kind of thing, this needs to get accomplished soon. And so that buffer day allows you the 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 availability in your schedule to take care of those things that that need attention. But it but it's also, it's, you know, the buffer time is is kind of your your free time. Um, most often it's, you know, kind of gives you the flexibility just to kind of take care of the things you need to get taken care of. Um, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, your, your vacation time and all that kind of stuff. That that's another, that's a whole nother episode, which we'll talk about a, a, at another time, but obviously that needs to be time blocked way, way ahead of time. You don't just say, okay, I'm going to take a vacation and, you know, next week and then move all the appointments. Right. So. Because uh, uh, um, there's sometimes you need to work on the business and not in the business. And that's that's what those buffer days allow you to do. They allow, allow you to be the CEO to to really think about because sometimes we need to think about the business. Not like when you're in the trenches and people are asking you questions at work, it's hard to like it's hard to really think. Uh, how about you, Jeff? How do you how do you kind of take a look at your schedule, time blocking buffer days? Yeah. Um, so this is it's funny the timing that this happens to be we're talking about this. So Every year in the summer, I would reread a book by Brian Tracy called Focal Point, and I and I quit for whatever reason. And I just happened to be re-listening now an audiobook, and he makes it's funny. This book, he's a genius. He can write it so that it still sounds current, even though it's like thirty years old, and it always feels relevant to you right now. 
Uh, and he says, there's always one thing in our life that is the biggest drag on our time and resources. We just have to figure out what that is and then focus single-handedly on that one thing. And so, yeah, I, I do also add full days without client time on them, phone calls or meetings, and I'm transparent with the clients. Um, you earn this over time, by the way, but that is my day to catch up. And I am using it actually to catch up right now. Uh, but I will focus single-handedly on one thing. Most of the time I spend every day starting with my oldest email and working my way forward until I'm at zero. Uh, but if I have outstanding activities, uh, contact or other kinds of things, always start from the oldest and, and literally go one at a time and do not move on to the next until you've finished the, the first one until it's done. Um, and if you get laser focused and he makes the point in the book, you will learn how to get more laser focused on any given thing and you'll become more productive overall. So it's always a skill you continue to develop in ways you do it. Hey, pardon the interruption. Hey, if you're anything like us, you are hyper-focused on growing your practice in 2023. With that said, me and the guys have put together a world-class webinar that will help you do just that. We're going to give you our best ideas, our best ideas on marketing. What are some things you can implement right now to grow your practice? Our best ideas on sales process. How do you close more business? our best ideas on client service. How do you retain, grow your relationships for life and increase referrals without even asking for them? And finally, how do you build a scalable, world-class investment model? If you want to join the webinar, go out to 23grow.com. Again, that's 23grow.com. Register for our webinar. There's no cost to attend. It's one time only. You don't want to miss it. If you're if you're dialed into growing this year, this is for you. If you want to become a better advisor, deliver better service to your clients, this webinar is for you. So join today. Go out to 23grow.com. Now back to the show. But yeah, I definitely add that. Currently, it happens to be Fridays. And again, as much as I'd like to be not doing anything on Fridays, I'm using it just to finish anything unfinished from the week. That's great. Yeah, I want to share. You said it. You said it correctly. It's when you're you're putting your taking your FA hat off and putting your CEO hat on. Um, you know, my last buffer day I used for um, nailing down some details of a, a seminar uh, in early next year. Um, you know, it's you know the date's not going to book itself. The venue's not going to figure itself out, and I uh, also knocked out all my continuing ed for the year. You know, that's something if I look at my calendar in July, I'm not going to say like, you know, I'm not going to see it booked there. I won't consider myself busy because I'm doing continuing ed, but it has to get done. So I'll book it for myself on a, on a buffer day, make sure that I have an agenda of things to do that day. Love it. Those are great guys. Um, So Jim, I know I want, I just want to be sure we have the discussion we were having earlier about your kind of takeaway, big takeaway on automation and yeah, changing your reality around required distributions and how you went about that because I think that's huge here. Yeah, you know, um, there was a couple. It was it was a while ago, but we we began to get overwhelmed in our office. We had this non-automated process around RMDs where we we we, we initially people would come in and we'd you know we walk through that depending upon where the market was, we would review their portfolio and sell the position that made the sense the most sense when we did the RMD. And we never really had a streamlined process. And I just felt like there had to be a better way. So I, I really encourage people, if you're doing a manual RMD process, you've got to automate it. 
you've got to automate it for a couple reasons. You've got to automate it because as your business gets more mature, it's just going to break down. It's just going to get so large and there's going to be mistakes that'll happen inevitably. So we have a very automated process. So when a client comes in and we have a chart that we go through and, you know, I think what we'll do is I'll bring this chart to our mastermind and we'll spend some time talking about the RMD process because I think it's a huge win for folks. But when we go through this RMD process, we talk about people that we we start your RMDs the year you turn 72. I'm not going to game it and try to wait until April the next year. The year you turn 72, we're going to start this out. The RMDs are going to be automatic, so it's almost like reverse dollar cost averaging, so we're not market timing. The money's going to flow into a brokerage account that we already have in there, and then you can use or take the money when you're ready. And that means that, look, the money is going to come out of the market and right back in the market. So even if we have market volatility, because that's what people are worried about, they won't miss it. It helps us because it automates us, but it also helps us retain assets, guys. Think about this. You've got a $100 million book that's over seven, your clients are going to get older and all of a sudden you're going to start to see you know, three, four, five, six, $10 million a year, just walk out the door in RMDs. And sure, not every client's going to let you reinvest it. Some of them are going to go spend it on life and God bless them. That's what their money's there for. But if you can retain those assets and keep them working rather than sitting in checking accounts, huge win and automation makes it a lot easier. And this is so huge. You know, we were talking about this, like Greg was saying, he doesn't have as many RMBs as the rest of us, maybe just due to younger clients. So people will start asking about this when they turn 60, uh, oftentimes because they know their parents had to do them or they've read about taking money out of IRAs or something. And the wording you use is really important to set yourself up for what Jim was talking about. So just say, you, the IRS just says you have to take money out of your IRA. It doesn't tell you you have to spend it. And here's how we do that. <laughs> so when they're 60, you prep them for the next 10, 12 years. Yeah. This is how we do this. We schedule it automatically to avoid the risk of you paying a penalty benefit to the client um, and make sure that it happens and spread our timing out throughout the year, all benefits to the client. So these things we, you know, these are looking at them as benefits to you, but you also need to find ways to feel really confident that you're doing this for the client's benefit. Um, and then educating them again, well before the time comes to get them conditioned that we can satisfy required distributions without you withdrawing the money and spending it. Um, and then position your holdings correctly so that you can use volatile assets to fund the distributions and cash to fund the tax withholding all of which can be done well in advance without worrying about rushing uh, to December 1st or whatever. Yeah, and, and this, if you do it the right way, you just know that your clients are going to just, they're going to be sitting there wondering when you're going to process their RMD otherwise. So you're just opening yourself up. You've got 200 clients. You're going to get 50 calls throughout the year. You've just eliminated those calls. Like that, I, I, you've eliminated all of that staff you have to plan for. So it's a it's a huge win. Guys, um, Brad, how do you handle RMDs in your office? You've got a pretty big uh, diverse book. I do. Um, I you know, It actually was a surprise to me that people don't automate their RMDs. So <laughs> if anyone is out there is not doing that, I mean, please do. I wasn't even aware that that was really something people would do. <laughs> that would be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But Jim, I'll tell you, I have... <clears throat> I haven't done this as it's not a regular part of my practice, but since you mentioned it, it's going to be. I love the idea of just 
out of an IRA and right into a brokerage account as a matter of explaining this is our normal, our standard operating procedure. I mean, that's that's brilliant. I love that. And you know, just what you said earlier, three, four, five, six million a year in RMDs out. And we know people that have 10 plus in RMDs going out every year. I mean, even if you only save half of that by putting it in a brokerage account and they just don't spend it, I mean, half of five million bucks a year, that's two and a half million. You don't have to hunt next year. That's brilliant. I'm stealing it. Well, and this is the, go ahead, Jim. No, I, I, you, you might've, you're probably about to say this, Jeff, but I was going to say, this is what, when Jeff says about getting them primed for this and talking to them about your RMD process in advance, this builds this into their, their, their kind of line of reasoning why they do this. And it's not just for us. Like, obviously there's a huge win where we get to maintain and retain the assets. Most of these clients are going to take this and put it in a checking account. It's just going to sit there earning whatever a checking account earns, which is not a lot. So yeah, there's it, it, there's a couple benefits here. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I cut you off, sir. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, but there's this, I'm sure we could do a whole like psychology of finances thing here too. But if if people get in the habit of withdrawing their RMBs year to year, they by nature are, are then taking on a volatile distribution that reinforces last year's investment market returns. So if you can not only automate the part of it going out to a brokerage account, then if they do want income actually to spend, again, number one, you can give it to them all year long, which most prefer, uh, but you can level it for them so that you're taking, say, 70% of the net after withholding distribution so that when there's a down year, it doesn't have to go down for them. You're spending from the cushion that way and tell them that. Again, many have walked, had their parents now walk through, oh, good year, bad year, RMD. And it's like, we're going to, to their benefit, we're going to not spend all of it on the way up so that we can keep spending on the way down one in four years. So that's a huge psychological win if you can get ahead of it. Yeah. Yeah. And once you get people conditioned to do it the wrong way, they're always going to expect it. So unwinding these bad behaviors is much harder. It's kind of like eating a dessert at the end of the meal. If you get used to that, it's hard to cut it out as I can attest. Hey, um, we, we went through like three really big wins to make your business more efficient here. We talked first about getting out in front of these tax issues. Look, if you're not educating your, your, your clients on, uh, tax withholdings, if you're not educating them on the tax forms when they're going to drop and making sure they're going to communicate through the CPAs, you're going to cause yourself more work throughout the year. So getting ahead of this can help you run a more efficient practice and really help your clients too. I mean, they really, you're really set, setting yourself apart there, time blocking, making sure that when you're at work, you're actually working and not wasting time, which we, we can all attest that we spend a lot of downtime. It's why people can work from home and get most of their work done in two hours on an eight-hour shift because six of those hours are screwing around on the internet. And if you can become more efficient, you can get a lot more done. And then finally, these RMDs guys, like don't let don't let the uh, the tail wag the dog on this. Uh, get out in front of it and handle it. But let's go for some final final thoughts. Any final efficiencies out there? We're gonna kick it over to Brad. Uh, Brad, what do you think? Any any final thoughts for our uh, our listeners? No, I'm still overwhelmed by the non-automated RMDs. <laughs> I'm using that as my final thought also because I still can't believe that anyone's doing it manually. Don't be surprised by anything any longer. It's a, <laughs> yeah, and and it's it's not because I, I think it's not because they're not smart. It's just that 
they've just conditioned their clients to a certain way. And it just, it just didn't make sense to them. But uh, Greg, how about you, sir? What do you, what do you think are for, for final thoughts? Yeah. If I was out there and I I was, you know, one of those listeners, one of those advisors who felt stuck and figure out what's holding your business back. And it might be something like RMDs. Okay. It just takes up so much, so much time. Tax season. If if tax season is an absolute nightmare in your office, get ahead of it. Like Jeff was kind of teaching you. Um, Time blocking is huge. That was one thing that has really, really propelled my growth. Figure out what is holding you back and it might be hiring you know you know an, another t- team member to delegate all the duties that that you shouldn't be doing to begin with and that will free up a lot of your time to prospect to get new clients so uh figure out whatever it is that's holding you back from getting to where you want to be yeah i love that actually you know one of our one of our coaching one of the advisors we coached the 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 four of us were having this conversation with them and that's what we really had to drill down to is what was holding them back and what we realized was email was holding them back they had too many they were sucked up in emails all day long and they weren't delegating enough of their task and just just freeing them up from that allowed them to go out and prospect and connect with their clients better so you know that's that those are some things that sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees so uh try to think about that and if you can't do it get some coaching on it and have some conversations with some advisors that have done it. I join a mastermind uh, group. I join, join our community at the, uh, the financial advisors edge community. You find it on Facebook, Jeff, let's close with you, sir. Any final thoughts, any other efficiencies out there people can, uh, can realize. Well, I, I want to reinforce what Greg said, but say it a little bit different way. Whatever it is that's holding you back is or Greg's word. I would say whatever it is that you are doing, that's holding you back. And are you willing to look at those things honestly and develop a plan and have someone help you develop a plan for change? Whatever it is that you are doing that can be changed and is completely within your control. So openness to reevaluating your processes, open open to input from somebody as to what it looks like to change those and then a willingness to change to get yourself to another level. Yeah, great stuff, guys. Look, you know, guys, you're you're hearing from some uh, titans in the industry. I mean, guys that have built businesses the right way from scratch, willing to share ways they're efficient in their practice. And uh, I took notes through this, so I appreciate you guys sharing. Uh, I hope the listeners at home did as well. Remember, you got to get the edge somehow. Listen to our podcast every week. Leave us a five-star review. Connect with us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.